When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com. Tony Shebeki back with you after what was an exciting episode of On The Turnbuckle last week. Thanks to those who tuned in and thank you so much for your kind words that we always shared with uh, Welshy and Lyle as well. Boys, it was a great episode last week and welcome back. Very good day, Tony. Um, yeah, it was a... A big episode for us last week, and I think we'll reflect on that probably for the next few minutes. Lyle, hey, yeah, your usual uh, bed good, pose. Good to be here. Good to, yeah. Well, got to be comfortable. Uh, it's um very heavy, very heavy episode. Um, yeah. Can I say that I'm proud of um being able to use our platform for such an important discussion? Um. It was the right time, so obviously, you want, with everything, with everything going on in the world. Um, so yeah, it was really good. It's learning at the same time, like listening back and learning that um, what other people go through. You know, um, yeah, it was it was tough at times, laugh at times. You know, I'm uh, not shy to admit it. I shed a tear once uh, during it, um, and I just think the world that we're living in at the minute, it's time for everyone to just take a step back and try and educate yourself and people around you to injustices of the world. And, you know, a little bit more close to home, our country, you know, we're not, um, we can't be naive to the fact that our country is without issue. Uh, it's been going on for a long time. So now it was a really enjoyable chat. You know, I know I've got a lot of social media buzz, a lot of shares. I hope people continue to listen to it and share it to their mates that haven't listened to it. Don't have to be a wrestling fan to get something out of it as well. Um, you know, a couple of my mates, they're not wrestling fans, but you know, just hearing from the uh, Indigenous wrestlers' point of view and what they've been put through and stuff. So, no, it was, it was good. Yeah, I want to really thank um, Joel Bateman, Michelle Hasluck, Erica Reed, and David Storm um, for being so generous last week, not just of their time, but generous of themselves. I think they all left a, a piece of themselves on that episode. Um, I know that they were all super nervous leading into um, recording that, that chat, and it's because they live this issue. This is something that they, it's not a new thing. The Black Lives Matter is not something that's just, like it may have just come into a lot of our consciousness, 
but it's something that they experience every day. And um, I know that just running our social media since that episode dropped um, and responding to an overwhelmingly positive response, but just living that, that racism every day from a distance was exhausting um, for me. And so I, I can't imagine what it's like to live and experience it from a far more personal perspective, um, the way our Indigenous brothers and sisters do. Um, and I'm really proud of the four of them for what they were able to produce for us last week. Mm. Um, it definitely gave us our most social media engagement across all, four pla- all three platforms than we've ever had. And it's a testament not only to them, but also to um, our listening audience and our new listeners um, for how much they embraced the episode. Yeah, no, absolutely spot on, guys. I can't add too much to that apart from the fact that I, I was I was shocked with, with a couple of the stories because I just didn't realise how deep it was here in, in Australia and in our wrestling rings. I, I always felt that wrestlers are more have that more sort of camaraderie and that stuff doesn't really go on. But obviously things still do and that, that, a lot of that shocked me. Well, Tony, you're an Italian-Australian. Um, yep. And growing up um, in the era, era where you were at school, you would have experienced racism. Oh, a, a, a pure racism as a wog. I mean, it was just... It was out there and it was through the 70s. That was just, uh, yeah, that was just a way of life. You were, I was ostracised for being, for having Italian and Maltese parents, for European family, European background. There's no doubt about that. And some of the things that happened to me in the schoolyard were testament to that as well. And just, uh, yeah. And it's, I, I would like to, the funny thing, not the funny thing about it is, the great thing about it is, is that I think our kids, though, which is great, have actually gone past that now. I don't think that racism lives with our younger generation as much as it may have in the past. Yeah. I know when we had a conversation um, last week over coffee, your kids aren't experiencing the same racism that you experienced. No. Which is, it's proof that we can get better. Um, But as we learnt uh, last week, we still do have a hell of a long way to go. Yeah. Well, one, yeah. I mean, one of my sons, my youngest son, he's five, five of his best mates. He's got two Chinese kids, an Indian, a Lebanese boy, and a Sudanese boy. So this just yeah. it just yeah. doesn't live. You know, you, if, you're, if you're a racist, you don't have that group of friends. No. We're, we're, especially where we're from, the western suburbs, is very multicultural. Like when my kids first started going to school, you know, five or six years ago, you know, there might be five Australian kids in the class. You know, there's yeah, there's 20, 22 kids in the class. So there's a mix of everything. So, you know, all right, when I went to primary school, you know, there was the, the one Chinese kid. And, of course, you know, because he's different, he cops grief. Where I'd like to hope my children's generation, they're going to be more accepting straight away yeah. because they don't know any different because everyone looks different it's not the one person in the no, class correct. Looks yeah. different. the whole class looks different now which you know is what australia is we're a very multicultural country yeah uh, we, 
all walks of life, all nationalities coming together. So saw a beautiful photo. I think it was on Facebook a week or two ago of this uh, little uh, African American boy and a white boy, and they both had their hair shaved so the teacher couldn't tell them apart. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, fantastic. Like that. And that, that, yeah. that's what it's like for our kids now. Yeah, it's definitely an area where there's a lot of things that um, you teach the younger generation, but there are definitely a lot of areas that we can learn from them and areas of race and um, and the environment are two that we could definitely learn from the younger generation. And I think, well, she, uh, you were at the, the protest march for the Black Lives Matters a couple of weeks ago. I think I you would have found that there was a lot of younger kids there. I'm not talking 13, 14-year-olds, but 18, 19, 20, 21. Would there have been a lot in that age group there? There were, but um, I think Erica pointed it out during the interview. There were people of all ages um, and all races. So um, you had, obviously, a lot of Indigenous Australians. Um, you had... Uh, white people, you had Asian people, you had African Americans, you had Africans, yeah. um, it, Europeans. It was um, a real melting pot and it was a real um, feeling of unity because everyone was there for the right reasons. And um, it was almost a bit embarrassing hearing some of the stories as a, as a white man being there. I almost felt like an imposter at stages because I'm hearing these stories that just, we need to be teaching kids this at school. Yeah. What really happened in the, that this country was founded on the blood and suffering of a nation of people. Yeah. Anyway, it was a great episode last week. Uh, congratulations to everyone involved with it, our wrestlers and the like, and everyone who, Put comments out there uh, and listen to it. Uh, I hope you got something out of it. And uh, be assured that as a, as a podcast, we will offer the opportunity up at various times uh, later on in the year, and and you know as the as the years go on to other groups of people as well to to share their stories and have a chat as well. So I think that's it's definitely something I'd like to revisit um, in around twelve months' time. Get the get the get those guys and girls back and. Um, and make sure this this kind of message stays far front of mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was also good too to see that uh, podcast walls were laid, put aside as well. And it was great to do what we did with the B plus. And uh, also we thank them for entrusting us in uh, in recording that and putting it all together. Uh, yeah, to let's not let's not um, let's not brush over that. That was it was really good to work with Greg and the T's yeah. team on that. Um, and uh, it's always a risk for two podcasts to put out the same episode in the same week, but some things are more important than whether you get an extra download or not, or whether you get That's a right. retweet. It doesn't shows matter. that everybody can work together. Yeah. Yes. As long as a conversation got heard, it doesn't matter where it come from. No, exactly right. All right. Time to get into our interview, our main interview for tonight, guys. And we're talking with a couple of people who are very heavily involved with Underworld Wrestling. Will it come back? I wonder. As we say good day to Mark Williamson and Lara Lomax. Oh, Lara. Lara. Hang on. Can can you please have a look at the rundown? What has he written? He's okay. absolutely set me up. 
What did you get? <laughs> I, I better, I better double check this. Well, it's part of your gimmick, Tony. So we're not sure when you're, when you're doing it or not. Oh, yeah, Sally Lomax sounds like it should be my work name. Sally, Sally Lomax is Sally, a fantastic name, Tara. Sally Mount Lyle. Uh, I've like got it on my run sheet. It says Tara. It says Tara on the run sheet. It says Tara. Yeah, it says, hang on, hang on. Now, folks, folks, I know this doesn't help anyone at home, but we're on Zoom at this point in time. Now, if yeah, I share I this sheet, on the Zoom. What, do, what does that say <laughs> down there? <laughs> says, does that say Tara? Says Lara Lomax. Look at that. You it's a little Tara. pixelated, but it says Tyra to me. No. Well, it's, you know what? It has the alliteration of a wrestling lane, much yeah. like Vinnie Vane. So <laughs> yes, there we yes. go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tara and Mark, welcome. Oh, thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks, Tony. I don't it's think a, we've had you. Everyone. We haven't yeah. had you two together on the show, have we? No, we haven't had. No, we haven't had no. Tara before. No, well, we've had Tara and Mark on our other podcast. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but th this has been the fir first official wrestling one, and this is the first wrestling podcast where I'm not being a character and actually talking as Mark Williamson, not Lord Mark Williamson. So I won't be telling you tales of uh, fictitious Luce Spinelli and <laughs> all sorts of hijinks like that. So, yeah. so, you'll, so you'll only be half as pompous as usual. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess no, it is the first time I'm appearing. First time we're appearing together. It's the first time I'm appearing on a wrestling podcast. So, yeah. yay! Lovely to have you. And the great news is for Lyle is that he doesn't have to be scared. Yeah, he doesn't. I no. like Lyle. It's great. So, chill yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, that makes wow. one of us. <laughs> that was our first. To be fair, that was our first podcast. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. we were shit out. We were shit that, that was uh, the nerves plus. Uh, Lord Williamson in the room. Yeah, was, I mean, uh, it's, good. It's, it's good to see, like, the podcast grow and all that sort of stuff, too. Like, you know, being the first guest. And like, this, is the third, <laughs> this is the third time now. So, like, I'm pretty honoured by it, to be honest. And you said you fellas have always uh, supported pro wrestling and, and certainly supported underworld wrestling in a big way. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's good to be here and actually uh, talk for real. It's so certainly... I want to talk the show, if you know what I, I mean. Wanna... Yeah, I want to delve into Underworld and talk about um, some of the great successes that, that you were able to achieve, some of the things that didn't work so well and really um, get into some of the nitty-gritty because I know that um, we've had a few conversations, Mark, and you're always nothing but honest. Uh, that's to a fault sometimes. <laughs> um, so uh, let's first talk about um, some of the things that you guys did achieve, like... Uh, let's talk about Amazon Prime to start with. Yeah, I mean, Amazon Prime, um, when, when we initially started and I was talking to Adam, um, I, I've been watching like uh, different streaming services pop up and Amazon Prime worldwide is basically the number two streaming service. And I know it was looking to launch into Australia. I knew that uh, it was big overseas. So I remember when... Uh, talking goals and aspirations with Adam when we first started putting the ideas together with Underworld Wrestling was like, I would like to be on a major streaming service and I'd love to be on Amazon Prime in five years. And we got it in like three months. So our five-year plan was just like, holy shit, how did this happen? Um, yeah, and so, so as I said, we, we landed on Amazon Prime. We, we were approached by a distributor, Bounty Films, 
they saw uh, the concept of this under, underground fight club, um, a different style of professional wrestling, and they thought it would be really good to, to you know, to, to put it on there and, um, and experiment with it. Because as I said, uh, Leslie Morris, who works for Bounty Films, like a great supporter of ours, did lots of, lots of, lots of work getting us on Amazon and work and getting the actual product up on, on there. Um, he said a big wrestling fan and he said he, he took a chance with us and it worked well because he said he actually was the person responsible for getting um, Shakara on Amazon as well. So Shakara being on Amazon was on the back of uh, the success we had on Amazon. So, I mean, we've, we've helped that, yeah. You must um, be able to help out those little promotions. From oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, I mean, it, it, it's the good thing of being, being on something like that too because it, it, it lives an ongoing life. People are still discovering it, especially with, you know, being in pandemic times and people looking for things to watch and being one of the only wrestling products on there where there were other wrestling stuff, Underworld Wrestling comes up, then... Yeah, getting views from all over the place. Is that a dog in the background? Yeah, sorry about that. My dog's a piece of shit at the moment. <laughs> Feel free. You, d- you did just have him neutered, so I can yeah, understand. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to mute yourself whenever you're ready. That's fine. Mark is losing the balls. Get him off now. Get him off. A lot of promoters, Mark, have tried to get their promotion, whether it be on Foxtel or whether it be on Free to Wear or whatever it was. What was the difference between what the product that you had and what others have tried to put together that actually got it onto a major service? I mean, where ours was very different. Ours was like a kind of experimental, weird, uh, out there, bonkers wrestling product. Like we, um, we were very different from anything else. I mean, Adam, Adam had the great idea of, as I said, that kind of um, that league with the rules and all the different ideas and kind of having rankings, making it a sports-based product. And I know that term's been thrown around a lot, but we were actually a sports-based product. We wanted something to. Um, and, and his idea was to have all the matches mean something because it's actually you're earning points and it's a way for us we can show to the crowd the kind of difference in levels of the card. So you've got your main event guys with kind of points building up, you've got your mid-card guys with the middle range of points and your lower, your lower range kind of jobbers, as you were, enhancement talent with, with many points. So we're able to tell those kind of stories um, and just for it to be a, a very different thing. Mm, I think, so I think also from an aesthetic point of view, a lot of work went into creating an aesthetic that was you yeah. know, a little different. Yeah, Adam's Adam's first you know go with directing, and I think he's done an amazing job to yeah. actually do some really unique styles for how to shoot the ring. Well, that actually is a weird phrase in a, in a wrestling context. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually, how to how to actually you know. Give the give the idea that you're actually there right beside the ring. Um, so that was quite quite different, I think. From at least from what I've seen of other you know more indie promotions on screen, um, which is simply just you know you're recording and which is you know obviously within context that's really the way it's got to be. Yeah. But Underworld really try to go with a different aesthetic. As well as um, as I said, Adam worked heavily with Paul Puccio from oh, Dingo Cross Films, so they created a visual style which. Um, like I said, a lot of other um, promotions started using, like the, the sort of promos, they were 
all of a sudden after we started doing a few shows, we had a lot of indie promotions coming with similar style for their promos and trying to look a bit gritty and all that sort of stuff. But that was the style that said Adam and Paul created and it was, yeah, it, it, it was their effort to make, um, to add to a different product of what we were doing. But I think it's important too in the context of the discussion about, you know, getting it on the streaming platform, it made it a lot more complicated as a live it did. show. It did. Um, you know, it meant... You know, the organization and the production wasn't just about thinking about the live show product and getting a good show for the yeah. audience. Um, and a lot of focus went in that and it worked yeah. well. But then then it was about, you know, getting a product that was going to work for screen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was basically navigating two complete types of production. And that was a lot to do within the very limited resources oh, yeah. that he, they had. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of extra stress. Oh, yeah. 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 And with um, and money, money as well, too, and money, you know, like just really expensive. we we don't want to have this uh, have this deal on Amazon Prime and shoot things off a crappy little uh, digital camera and all that sort of stuff. You know, it might work on might work on other you know your own streaming services and all that sort of stuff. But you know, we had to put a lot of effort in getting stuff filmed in you know high definition and have, and having that look. I mean, with the, all the added. Um, kind of filters we put on there, if we didn't have those filters on, it would be super high depth filmed. So we filmed it absolutely top notch and then we could scale it back um, in post. It also added more obligation to finishing the product. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? I added a lot of, yeah, you know, we had to, I had a contract for how to finish the season. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, with the Greens coming out and trying to pass a motion into Parliament this week, um, basically telling the streaming services that you need to you need to chase more Australian content. And with wrestling being a relatively cheaper way to shoot TV, um, how do you see the doors opening up for other companies within the country? Um, I'll let you go for this. You're, you're a bit more of the legalities. And all that. Uh, yeah, but also the screen industry. I mean, it's first important to note that the screen industry is the moment who knows where it's going. Um, you know, the, the pandemic has really impacted the... Uh, you know, globally, screen industries globally, but particularly Australia, you know, it's really struggling. It's not really sure how it's going to, you know, emerge from this. So, there, you know, there's a lot of new um, funding projects and a lot of work being put into trying to up that responsibility to get product up on streaming platforms. Because why this is different as well for the streaming is because broadcast obviously has quotas. Um, they've been removed in the wake of the you know, the virus. Um, so this is now a push to try and get streaming platforms. But, you know, um, when you work with a streaming, you know, platform or any broadcast, you're now entering the world of, you know, legit media entertainment. So producing the product within those regulations is really difficult. Um, so we have been working on, so I got, I got, I brought, I got brought on board, uh, it's about a year ago now, um, to try, so I helped as publicity manager of trying to get the, you know, the full season up on Amazon. Um, so I worked with Leslie, the distributor, um, and tried to sort of create a, a publicity, you know, strategy. But that was also trying to go into our next strategy, which mm. was to create new iterations of Underworld. So we, there was a future that we would, we've been developing for, for a while, which is now not really at the forefront of what we're working on. We're working on other projects now, but that was what we'd been doing. And what we soon discovered was that taking wrestling as a indie promotion and taking it into the world of media entertainment, there's a whole other world, world of legal um, regulations that actually don't exist for wrestling. 
Um, wrestlers are neither actors nor athletes when it comes to regulation and labor laws. So that got really complicated. Mm. And we soon realized that, you know, to treat the wrestlers and to treat everybody at a really upper level of, you know, professionalism, um, but also award rate payments and to sort of get from them what we sort of would have needed. Um, we're going to need a small fortune, yeah. um, but also... Not that, to mention insurances as yeah, well. Yeah, well, that's right. So, you know, that that comes with then working, needing to work with executives. So I actually pitched some of those, that one of those iterations to executives and it became clear that it was going to be really difficult to have that the world of wrestling pitched to executives at that level because it's two completely different worlds from a, you know, from a mainly from a production point of view, but industrially it's... Um, the, the regulation doesn't exist. Um, yeah. Say that particularly in Australian context, but I can really see why WWE works within a bubble uh, in terms of its industrial, um, you know, process and its procedures because it's really difficult to, you know, I've, I've even consulted with lawyers about this and they've been like, well, what's a wrestler? Yeah. We don't even, what is that? Like, huh? I don't know. Right? You need to talk to a better lawyer. But yeah. you're the best lawyer yeah. around. No. <laughs> Sorry, for the record, they didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <you know. laughs> um, no, but they, you know, entertainment lawyers, media lawyers are being like, you know, we've, I've got this product and we're trying to work out how to create, you know, proper contracting and proper um, labour for them. And it was like, uh, sorry, I, this doesn't exist for what you want to do. So we just sort of had to go, all right, let's, let's work on something that within the constraints of what does exist. Yeah. Um, and that's all still sort of sitting there. But um, yeah, so to answer your question, um, Brent, like I don't think it's that simple as sort of going, yeah, okay, is there a demand for wrestling within the, that's when we talk about those quotas, we're talking about like really high end, you can be also indie and low budget, but it's going to work within the, it needs to work within those regulations. And you said, just to make it clear, we weren't contracted by Amazon for that. We went yeah. to a distributor. Yeah, so it was not an Amazon original or anything It wasn't like an Amazon that, original. Know? So that content on there will not fill quotas from what... Um, okay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And also, no money came from Amazon for that, right? So it wasn't like... Yeah, it wasn't like we were given a budget to go uh, make a show. Hidden rumours. No, there wasn't. Hidden rumours. Because <laughs> there was a rumour going around that, oh, that dodgy Lord Mark Williamson, he took the Amazon budget and... Brought himself an apartment. Look at his jacket. action. Look, he brought his jacket. He brought action figures. He's not spending it on the wrestling. But there was no money. There was no money for Amazon. So, yeah. We can, we can see the apartment. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and we can, Did they at least give you a 20% discount voucher or something for Amazon.com? It's a purview kind of. It's a purview. Yeah. 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 But it's not like you got, like, here's a production, you know, allocation and we're, like, part of the... It didn't work like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's how well, they the, do for most things. Yeah, the apartment does look good in the background there, so it's money well spent anyway. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Well, you can't. You know, you're only seeing the kitchen. <laughs> the Michelangelo on the wall, though, that's a really nice touch. Yeah, yeah. Between us, you can thank Jeff Bezos for that. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 great thing about it is, is the fact that someone was prepared to take a chance with an Australian production. Yes. Amazon being an American production, it would have been very easy for them to try and find American product. So for the fact yeah. that there was an opportunity that they said, yeah, right, we'll take a chance on an Australian yeah. 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 promotion is great. And I, I think, because as I said, um, Leslie's a big fan of the kind of exploitation films yeah, the and the, the, the kind of vibe we were going for for Underworld Wrestling. I mean, we were in a very... Um, 
exploitation to kind of uh, B-grade violent look for it and uh, you love that sort of stuff. So, mm. yeah. And also what we found in the beginning was that Australians didn't know what Amazon was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Amazon's really big in America and it was really big by the time Underworld first went on there. But yeah. um, for the most part, Australians were like, what the hell's Amazon? And it wasn't really until you had like Good Omens and things like that be, you know, marketed on buses and people were like, oh, Amazon. Yeah. But before that was a little bit like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, was, it, was Australia your biggest market? Do you no, know no, those numbers? No, no, no. 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 Um, America was our biggest market. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had, we had a, lot, a lot of American fans. And as if we, we got into some crazy markets. We said we had to do subtitles and put it in Spanish, German, French. This um, podcast is big in France at the moment. Big so. in France. Um, we're also in Estonia. Like weird <laughs> countries like Estonia. My favourite is the South Sandwich Islands. We're massive in the South Sandwich Islands. With the North Sandwich they Islands. Fucking they fucking hate us. They hate us. They hate us. You said you're being straight and real here, mate. <laughs> uh, Mark, I want to work, walk you back. Um, we're basically on the two-year anniversary of that. Yeah. very first Underworld show. It was this week, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it was yeah. on Monday, I believe. Monday, yeah, 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 Monday. Yeah. Um, I want to take you back to that day because basically anything that could have gone wrong for a wrestling promoter went wrong for you that night. Do you want to talk yeah, us through like, some I, of that? I can honestly say that that first show was one of the worst nights of my life. It yeah, you... was just... Um, I have grey hairs in here in my beard from that first show. Like we had, um, we had a, went in with a lot of online hype going off the Kickstarter. We had spent a lot of money on advertising locally. Um, as I said, it, it was our, it was honestly, like we took a massive bar for that show. That, that Kickstarter basically paid for that first show. That's it. Like a, a lot of people was uh, talking about Kickstarter. Oh, you've got a Kickstarter, you've got lots of money. Nine and a half grand doesn't go very far. I, I hate to tell people, nine and a half thousand dollars isn't a lot of money. So um, that, that basically covered, because we, I mean, we gave away tickets with, with certain tiers in our Kickstarter. So most of our crowd with the Kickstarter, and, and I, I'll give you the tickets, it's quite embarrassing. We sold 30 tickets to that show, plus the free tickets we had from the Kickstarter crowd. So it was, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Not to mention we had, um, I mean, we had difficult, we, we were providing a food truck to do some different food. That cancelled at the last minute and we had to chase around getting different food for that. Um, and also I said the, the horrible thing which happened in the main event with, you know, um, Carlo knocking out Sid Parker. That was just, uh, that was horrible. That was just, just yeah, it was, um, yeah, not good. Yeah, I know that I saw you after the show and you... I, there's no way I was going to have the balls to go and talk to you because you looked like you wanted to strangle someone. Oh, um, it was just... Yeah, and, and, and as I said, it, 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 it wasn't good. Like, it was just... Um, and as I said, that that knockout too further fractured uh, my relationship with uh, Sid and Erica Reed. So it's just... It, it just started a cascade. And the events of that main event, because we were building a storyline heavily involving Sidney Parker and Erica Reed and Carlo, and said that 
that got up in smoke at the end of that main event. We had to basically change our whole season, our whole plans, which I mean, it happens in wrestling. Injuries happen in wrestling, but that that did change it. And the said, it it, uh, it fractured our relationship even further. Not to mention that we had Carlo uh, break his arm the week after the show, which then further, <laughs> our, our plan B turned to about plan E by the, end of, by the end of that week after the show. So yeah, it said it, it wasn't good. It's um, for the, a lot of uh, online hype that was going around, it, it certainly didn't live up to it to me. Um, but, you know, as I said, that we managed to turn that first show disaster into selling out for our last show. So, so, so yeah. what did you learn? What did you learn that night that you were able to put in place moving forward? Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, like, the first aid, I had my first aid certificate in my previous job. I had to be a very qualified first aid person. So I was thinking, oh, if there's anything wrong with the show, I can do first aid. Adam's got his first aid certificate as well. So we were thinking, oh, yeah, we can do it. There's something wrong. Nothing's going to go wrong. <laughs> Went wrong. And then realized I just had a segment with Sid Parker where he's basically uh, yelled at me, called me uh, horrible names and all that sort of stuff. And we kind of didn't like each other. So if I went out there to do first aid on him, it, would, it just would have blown the show. It just would have blown the kind of kayfabe we were trying to put across with the product. So we, we implemented hiring a dedicated uh, first aid person, like I said. Adam and myself had the skills, but we need to have someone separate from us because the show, if an injury happens, the show must go on still. And it, it's, it's not good um, if the promoter needs to go away to go to hospital. I mean, so much so, I said, for Warzone Wrestling for a while, I was a dedicated first aid officer. And I was the one that went along in the uh, little known fact, I went in the ambulance with Carlo when he broke his ankle. So uh, that was my dedicated job. So I, I, I could look after him and, and make sure he got cared for and looked after the hospital. So, I mean, things like that we learned. Also, um, another big thing we learned is not to believe the online hype. I mean, yeah. we, we, and the kind of advertising we also did too. We, we showed, we, we did a lot of mainstream advertising and it didn't work. Like we, we had giant posters all around the city. We had newspaper ads. We had all, all this different stuff that we used and it didn't draw a fly to poo. So that was the disappointing part about it. I mean, we, we still had a, a decent crowd in there, but they were all free tickets off the um, Kickstarter. So, yeah. Did you do a Kickstarter game? Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't do a Kickstarter game. That's, that's, <laughs> that's I mean, that, that's a genuine, a genuine issue we had with that first show because, as I said, it's that, that, yeah, that Kickstarter money went into paying for a first show so that it, it, was, it was ineffective for us. Like that, that money, the money going and into it is Adam and my money, and that, that Kickstarter paid for the first show. Mm. Yeah. So, Plus, that, that was initial sets and whatnot yeah. that would have uh, you would have needed to. The weren't. I'm sure that wasn't cheap. The set that you had for Underworld. Oh no, no, no! I mean, that's you like the sets and the belts and all that sort of stuff. You know, Adam and myself paid for. That was our investment. It was, um, you know, this wasn't a case of getting Kickstarter money and, oh, that's all we're going to have a budget for. There was a lot of money that went into, as I said, the, the belts, like getting those belts designed. We've got the most unique belts in the world. Um, they weren't cheap. The set wasn't cheap. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. For those initial couple of hours after the first show, was it 
was there thoughts of and second guessing yourself whether to oh, wrap the show? Yeah, like- not to wrap it up, but it was just especially too like I was there till two o'clock in the morning, so it was just my like looking myself in the mirror when I went to the bathroom and regretting every life decision that got me to this point. But you know, you you get through it, and instead it was. You hurt your back too. Yeah, and they said I um I hurt my back packing up the place, and I had to take a week off work because I fucked my back up. Pardon the French. Uh, <laughs> packing up the place, so, like it was just horrible, just horrible. And Tara, you weren't a wrestling fan, so you you've been thrown right in the deep end. I wasn't then. I am now. <laughs> we actually started dating. We were dating for just a bit over a month. So this was Tara's first... Um... Yeah, so Underworld was my first wrestling show and I was working the door. I'm like, oh, what is this? Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't then. Um, you know, leading up to that, you know, Mark was talking about, you know, wrestling and explaining it to me. He showed me. I don't know, probably a mistake at that time, but hey, we're together. Uh, he showed me the match with Crackers. <laughs> he said it to me one day. Oh, yes. <laughs> the hardcore matches and, and I was just like got any videos of your stuff yeah sure <laughs> I'm just like what am I getting myself in mm-hmm. <laughs> um but then you know I you know saw Underworld and I'm like I get this you know I so I'm a you know to give a bit of background like I'm a I'm a scholar of media entertainment and film so you know I lecture I research I'm doing a PhD on franchising which means that I, I watched this, I went to, you know, watch Underworld and I'm like, this is something I should be paying attention to. It's something I should have been paying attention to for already. I was a fan of wrestling as a kid during the, you know, uh, the New World Order. I had Wolfpack t-shirt, by the way. So like, I do have a history with, with some wrestling in my background. But, you know, when, um, you know, when I met Mark, I had been far away from that. Um, so then, yeah, I saw Underworld and I was like, this is really cool and I really believed in the premise I really got into it and I started to learn about the mechanics of wrestling over the months um I didn't I sort of went to Underworld thinking you know this is really really cool the audience is great then he took me to um uh, and I'm sitting there having all this sort of derogatory language thrown at me I'm like I get it now I get why Underworld is different I get why it felt it felt better and different um, but also just the creative work, the story world was just up my alley. And so I just started to immerse in wrestling. And I'm now a huge wrestling fan, uh, much to Mark's sort of disappointment. Chagrin. I, I remember wrestling. She's putting it on the TV and like, oh. <laughs> I, always, I always thought Underworld would make a fantastic graphic novel. Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah. one of the iterations that we'd been developing included a couple of comic books. Mark had already started writing. Yeah. Um, so there's there's still potential for that. The other iteration, just to put it out there, was a, a, a serial podcast, a story-based fictional podcast. So just really trying to explore the world more. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's all there, ready to come back to maybe. Who knows? But Big files in development. Yeah, basically when I came on board, I basically did an analysis of its story, you know, its narrative design and sort of try to get to the nitty gritty of what made it tick mm-hmm. and sort of to help it see how we could actually, you know, give it a life of its, of its own. But yeah, no, in terms of my wrestling fan, yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling fan. I love wrestling. I've had a lot of people that continue to throw around, oh, you know, Tara's from outside of wrestling. I'm like... No. no. <laughs> she probably understands wrestling better than most of the people involved in wrestling. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so, I mean, the importance of um, three-act story structure within matches and within shows and within storylines is something that um, is often overlooked by people who um, aren't looking at that bigger picture. Mm. And it's something that I think um, my favourite wrestling companies all incorporate. Yep. And I think that's something that um, a, someone with your background, Tara, can be vital for a wrestling company. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously there's the psychology of the match and, you know, it has to be believable within the sort of terms and the para paradigm it's set up. But sort of bigger than matches as well, it's the blurring of the, you know, what's fiction, you know, what is fact. And, you know, it, it goes into things like celebrities as well and the way they're constructed, the way that boundary blurs. And I think that's a problem, you know, with the way some wrestlers maybe brand themselves, blurring their own lives now with their... Uh, gimmicks and their own, you know, their wrestling persona, and it's like keep it separate, guys. You know, understand what you're working with. Yeah. Um, but also um, the actual world itself, and that's why Underworld I think was particularly up my alley. But you know, more than that, like I'm, I'm a huge WWE fan. Maybe not what it's doing right now. <laughs> but um, you know, even something like that, it, you know, it, it uses a soap opera formula. Um, and it's, it taps into, you know, historical modes of storytelling that I just don't think it gets enough credit for. Wow. I mean, I guess going off what Tara says as well, like what we try to do in Underworld Wrestling was create rules to our own universe. Um, there's, and I, I do say that is a, a problem with a lot of modern wrestling these days is there's actually set up rules to this universe and everyone just kind of seems to ignore it because it's like, oh, it's a performance, you know, this is all where you do that. And everyone's kind of, uh, if you're creating a world to perform in, you need to follow those rules in that universe. You need to be able to follow it so, as I said, as a fan, as a spectator, can watch and can understand. And then, you know, you might know it's a performance, but you're believing in that world. And, I mean, that's, that's what we try to do with Underworld. So, Yeah, I remember the week of the first show of Underworld, we actually had uh, JXT in the studio with us. And um, we were asking him about the show when we asked him a question about the rules and um, he's like, oh, I haven't even read the rules. Little did we know how much he was kayfaving us at the time. That yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, <laughs> that, that was we actually the, the character he was going to be playing. We had him as the fish out of water, you know, coming in as a pro wrestler to a mean fight club. So, yeah, and we, we told all our wrestlers too, if you're doing anything um, regarding Underworld, promoting it, we, we want it in world, in character. If you're talking about it, we go, oh, yeah, that's just a promotion I work for. We didn't want that. So um, it worked really well because yeah. um, we started explaining the rules to him, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he was the perfect uh, choice for that for the yes. Yes. For that character in the show, that's for sure. Yeah. Very yeah, um, yeah, go, Love. I just want to know, were you creatively fulfilled at, a, at the end of it? Yes. Yes. I, was I, I was clearly fulfilled. So much so, as I said, I have the thing where um, I'm not really involved in wrestling too much because I don't have anything else to do in it. So that's how creatively fulfilled I was with it. Um, I, I was able to tell different stories with it. I was, able, I was able to be a bit bonkers and crazy and get away with doing something nuts that I probably wouldn't be able to do on uh, a normal wrestling show. So I was able to scratch that itch as, and, and yeah. Yeah, I would say creatively fulfilled. Um, I would say Adam not so much. As I said, he 
he actually still wanted to keep doing live shows and keeping the format and maybe not having it on Amazon just to kind of scale back the kind of stresses with it. But um, as I said, by, by the end of that season, I pretty much was kind of done with the like traditional wrestling. So um, I've told all my stories I can tell in, involved in it now. So that's why I'm not really involved. Was one of your great successes the fact that I believe you may have actually brought about the end of all things? Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, it's my plan B, my great plan of uniting two wrestling belts, because that's a completely sane idea to end the world, didn't work. So Lord Mark Williamson um, opened up and uh, involved in an exciting project in China late last year, and it went gangbusters. Sometimes your plan B's just work better than your plan A's. Yeah, it happens. Uh, it's just funny, like, that the world has sort of worked into an underworld shoot this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're good people watching it on, uh, while the pandemic's happened. Like, holy shit, watching a wrestling company about the end of the world. <laughs> well, I mean, it didn't ju- it hasn't just affected the world. It's affected uh, the, the two of you because it was supposed to be a big week for you two. It was supposed to be a big week this week. We were supposed to be married on Saturday. Wow. So, um, yeah, when everything kind of went a bit crazy, we just had our wedding invites printed and ready to send out. So, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a ball kick, a bit of a, I don't know how to say the thing like that, but Oh, look, good. I mean, sucks is okay. Sucks, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. was, it, yeah, but look, it is what it is. I mean, the world is just so beyond so many of us right like, yeah but yeah no it was a huge it was a huge downer um just because you know everything came together and we were working yeah. towards that day but hey like you know hopefully it will happen yeah <laughs> it will yeah. it will yeah it will. it's just just a, just a bit later and uh you want it to be perfect so there's no point doing a substandard version of what you want to do oh, exactly. uh, in the current climate Yes, and we had a production plan. I mean, we're two producers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we had a bit of a crazy wedding plan. So, <laughs> so yeah. Mark, a couple of months ago on Facebook, you put out a, 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 a post saying that you were effectively withdrawing from wrestling altogether. Was that a tough decision for you to make? Um, no, it wasn't. I just... Um, Look, I was still kind of keeping my Lord Mark Williamson kind of Facebook alive. But then I just really, as I said, I have done everything I can possibly do in wrestling for myself in this country. Um, I have other, have other creative itches to scratch now, which I'm, I'm working on. But um, it, it wasn't a hard thing. As I said, my, my last show I worked was for IWA where I, I was managing one of my best mates and we got to put over, uh, well, actually and managing um, another wrestler that I had a, a great time managing throughout the years as well. So we were able to put over Jackson Kelly and uh, Cowboy Chris Abbott, who, uh, two great guys. And as I said, I, I, I did that show August last year and um, I just didn't get the fun out of it as I usually get. No rise. Yeah, there's, um, like, my, my passion for wrestling, you know, I, I do love it and I, I certainly cherish the memories and being able to do so much in this country, be able to travel all, all around the country, 
uh, traveled to some weird towns and entertained people there, but um, pretty much like, uh, as I said, I, I don't want to say it's a retirement, but um, there's not much that's going to get me, there's not much for me to come back to, if you know what I mean, like yeah. creatively. Um, and I, I don't think anyone's going to offer me a huge amount of money to come perform on the show. So it's, unless it's that, it's, there's, there's, there's no point for me to do it. And it's, why take up a spot when there's people that are passionate and have the fire and the drive to do it? I'm just taking up a spot and I really like it about it. Yeah. Are there any... Uh... Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what are both of you guys' thoughts on the current uh, cinematic matches that are happening in wrestling at the minute? I didn't mind the Boneyard match, but... Once again, you know, it, it, it verges on it not being wrestling. So, as I said, it's kind of a, it's a movie. It, it's more like a, a cinematic fight. So some of them are a bit wacky. Some of them are like the, the, like the Boneyard match. I love that. It made Undertaker look like a total badass. AJ Styles was a total heel and it, it did its job and was entertaining. But I'm not watching wrestling to watch movie fights. If I want to watch a movie fight, I'd go watch, I'd go watch a movie. So that's, yeah. So, I, I mean, I agree with that, but I had a different experience of it. Because for me, I'm, I've been very fascinated about this, you know, across all, whether it's sport, whether it's cinema, whether it's wrestling, the removal of the audience is just a fascinating question. It's particularly fascinating for wrestling because it's like, you know, so much of wrestling is its audience. And the you know that engagement between the you know the what's happening in the ring and the audience, um, especially when you compare something like a you know if I watch an old WrestleMania, and it's just just full, and then you've got these matches, and it's just like what the hell is this? But I, I, I sort of I sort of admired the attempt. I've admired the attempt to try and do something different, and sort of go okay, so wrestling we can't do it in that same way, but we can do other things. Um, I like the Boneyard match, again, for the sort of similar reasons that it, I think it still tried to, you know, translate the mechanics of a match, but putting it in a different format, and I think there's something there. But I think overall, WWE has some problems, so, <laughs> which go beyond, go, I think they're bigger issues than, than just what's happening, you know, in those matches. Mm -hmm. So whoever's creating those and trying to do something unique, cool, keep going with that. Yeah, if it's if it's done well, it's done really well. But I'm like, and, and that's why the Boneyard match worked because they're both so believable. And it, but then when you have some other performers, which I I don't believe, mm. yeah, it ma makes it kind of goofy. See, I think also you know that Boneyard match. Okay, that's explicitly cinematic. But then you know if you look back to something like um, the Fiend and the Bray Wyatt stuff, and particularly the match that he did with. Um, Seth Rollins, and it was a bit like, you're really using some sort of conventions here of traditional horror genre. Yeah. It's not working in wrestling because you then haven't addressed what wrestling, the mechanics of the wrestling. So it's really one thing to draw from the inspiration of other genres from other mediums, and that's great because the history is there. But at some point you have to realize you're working with wrestling still, and the mm. pop needs to come from the wrestling movements and the wrestling um, spots, not from just drawing back onto, lazily drawing back onto old genres, if that makes sense. 
Um, so I think there's potential there. It's interesting, but I think there's a piece to be done. But kudos for trying, I guess. Yeah. Did you catch the um, Edge versus Randy Orton greatest match of all time? Oh! Should I tell you? Want to tell the story? I'll tell the story. So, like, I, I'm out on Monday, and then Tara's messaged me. She's like, oh, she had it on in the background, and oh, the, the, the Edge and Randy Orton, the energy's really there. I can hear the crowd. I can hear this. And when I watched it Monday night, I'm like, they've piped in bloody sound. Oh, it's I not. Can't a... work. <laughs> I've been <laughs> worked. You've been worked. <laughs> You've been working. Why, why, why watch that match? Yeah, it was, you know, it was good. They had some, it said some different ways of doing it. But, um, but once again, it took me out of, I'm watching a live fight to a very orchestrated uh, match. So, yeah. But, I but mean, the ability to edit some things like that, I think that's something that, while well, you've got no crowd, but maybe that they need to try and look at more of where they've edited that match pretty heavily compared to what they would a normal match yes and um but it played like a wrestling match still yeah yeah i think the biggest problem with this whole audience is you know wrestlers working a non-existent crowd it's just like look up you know who knows where that's like i have no idea where they might be coming from but i'm just like like that is just not appropriate work with your work within your constraints yeah it's okay for our truth to do it because he's his character is that of an idiot yeah 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 um, now, Mark, you are not scared of heat and you're a traditional heel um, who basically your whole career is whipping people into a frenzy. Yes. I just wanted to talk to you about modern day heels and they've got all these extra tools at their disposal with social media. But um, I know that Tara mentioned it earlier, the blurring of the lines between the human being and the character. What do, what do you think you would have done with Twitter back in the day? With Twitter, <laughs> oh, yeah. look, that just would have taken, like, if, if I was to be Lord Mark Williamson on Twitter, I'd be wasting my day working people up. Like, it would be, and it'd be, non, and it'd be nonsensical arguments. Like, there's a reason Twitter is Donald Trump's favourite social media. It's, yeah. a, it's a very, very, very divisive platform. Now, I mean, I, the last couple of years I've been using Facebook, a uh, bit of a, a lesser reach because, as I said, I'm, I'm not going to have people start arguments with me. And, um, you know, if you see a goofy photo and me ranching and rambling and not spelling things correctly and just being a bit of a dick on there, you can kind of get a bit of a visual picture as where I think with Twitter, it just, it, it'll cause too, too many dramas, too many problems. And um, there's a reason I'm not on. I, I don't as long as you don't drop your phone when you're videoing. Yeah, as long as you don't drop a phone with a video. Oh, anyone who knows, knows. All I'm going to say about that, anyone who knows, knows. And if you don't, you should. You should, yeah. yeah I just think there's a problem, though, with not... I mean, I've had to observe, uh, you know, people not really understanding that Mark's been working everyone. Yeah. And Like, I, had, I even on my Facebook, I had wrestlers going, oh, you're being a real jerk, you're being that. I mean, when we were, was working with Gino, so... Gino got everything I did. I mean, I was for months talking about working at Mumbai City Wrestling as part of the Pistol Pals with good luck successy and making a jackass of myself to build so I could interview Gino on a segment. You know, he understood it and what other people didn't understand it. Then when we were working in Underworld, um, we had the thing where, you know, I turned on Gino and I'm publicly slagging him off 
And there are wrestlers who are going to Gino going, look what he said about you online. And he's like, he's working. No, he's not. He's an asshole. He can't get what he said. I mean, that was the picture that we sold as a raffle picture that I think you won. <laughs> I got it. I've still got it. it. I've got it. Yeah. Is, there was wrestlers who should know better and people in management of companies going to Juno, look what he's saying about you online. And he's just like, what the hell's going on? You know, it's just, and I, but as I said, it, it's that kind of blurring the line. And I said, I, um, with social media, yeah, I was, if you went on that Lord Mark Williams thing, I was a total dickhead. I make no regrets for it. And, you know, there's sometimes I enjoy being a dickhead. Like, it is fun. It, it was fun to kind of have that outlet to be a dickhead. But I enjoy being Mark Williamson more than I enjoy being Lord Mark Williamson now. So kind of the dickhead thing I don't need to do because it's all out of my system. But, yeah. And you've always got work. Yeah, well, I mean, I get to work and people hating me for no real reason. So it's, uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> but I mean, I felt during that first show and even the second, Pat, all of them, everyone just didn't know how to take me because they're like, wait a second, he's a, he's a like, what is he? Is he some shit? And I'm like, do you even know what wrestling is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like that final, sh the final show, like, you know, he copped a pile yeah. driver yeah. and I'm just like, everyone looked at me to be like, is she going to take this seriously? And I'm like... I mean, I knew he was going to get that, but... And, and it's like, getting back to social media too, like, that, that's what you're using as your branding. So, like, I branded myself to be a total dick. And you were consistent. I was consistent with it. And, and what, uh, what we noticed when we launched uh, Underworld was a lot of wrestlers tagging Underworld, telling us to book them. And we had a particular wrestler who had just come back from America and was a bit of a big name going... I want to wrestle your champion, Carlo Cannon. So we answered everything in kayfabe at that time. And that was like, well, no, you need to earn points for it. And he got insulted that we answered that to him on social media. Like, it just, this is your brand. You're begging for bookings and tagging us in, tagging us to say you want a match. Like, no, it's just, <laughs> you got to use, use it a bit smarter. I'm not saying mine was the smartest way because like, it was a bit of a detriment because a lot of people, and a lot of people who are involved in wrestling who don't know me think I'm a total, total, total wanker. This is my Lord Mark Williams for Facebook. So, yeah. No. Oh, well. Yeah, that's it, right? It's kind of funny. <laughs> it works. We laugh. Oh, well. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I hope that wrestling hasn't lost you in total. I hope that one day. There might be another day for you to come back in because uh, the character... There'll be, a mate call of, there'll be a mate call of favour in at some stage. Yeah. yeah. Mate. Mate. Well, I still love it, so, love it. you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and is that's half any, the battle. Is there anything you can um, hint at for your future creative endeavours or is it all still secret? No, I'll, I'll just wait for it to be done and people see it, to be honest. Yeah. Like it's, that's that's yeah. the thing about development. It's, like it's in development and, you know, it doesn't matter how many times people go, what's coming? And it's just like, it's in development. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we can get a chance to chat to you after it's developed. No, excellent. For Beautiful. sure. Mark, Tara, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really do appreciate it. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
part two of the program, the music of Zach Sabre Jr. bringing us into our second segment. Lovely to hear from Mark and Tara, boys. Tara? Yeah, you got, yes, Tara. Um, you got it right. Uh, yeah, look, it was, I just really wanted the opportunity to ask some questions about uh, Underworld because some things went wrong, obviously, but uh, a lot went right. And I think there's some learnings there for, for the industry. Yeah, it was good to have uh, Mark Williamson on the podcast. We've had uh, Lord Mark on a couple of times. Um, obviously, he's got a great wrestling brain, and you know. Did you, you go, feel a lot more relaxed? Were you a lot more relaxed? A lot, a lot more, a lot more relaxed. I appreciate that giving me the heads up that the Lord wasn't coming on the this week. Um, but yeah, we could, you know, we could have Mark on and talk about his whole career. Um, yeah, the. I've been the trying to get Mark stuff. to come. I've been trying to get Mark to do a, a non-kayfabe interview for yeah. three years now. So, um, <laughs> got to slowly start slowly. I'll tell a story. Look, we were at um, at a party in Brunswick, and Mark was there, and he was sitting on the balcony, drinking scotch and smoking cigars. Uh, so stealing Gino's gimmick, and um, basically, I was sitting next to him, asking him questions, and. There was probably 10, 13 people on this balcony listening as he held court. It was like a live podcast in front of a very select group of people. And I think that's a live show. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's see what we can do. We'll keep working on that. Hey, boys, uh, great news. New Japan Wrestling is back with the New Japan Cup. Yes, uh, there's yes. a theme to our music tonight, which has been all yeah. New Japan music. New Japan, um, so we'll be a few days into the cup by the time this goes to air. Yeah, yeah, the first two days, uh, first uh, first round, um, bit different this year. They got the the juniors and the heavyweights in the tournament this year. Obviously, everything got thrown out of whack with the super juniors and the normal G one. So they've just put it together, and instead of it being a round robin tournament, it's a uh, single elimination. Um, so hopefully everyone out there has got their brackets all in and going along. Um, yeah, the first night was uh, the Together Project. So that was just the the first show, which is fun wrestling matches, a lot of multi-mans. Um, get the really ring good. rust off. Yeah, get a little bit of the ring rust off. Um, the thing they're doing in between uh, every second match, uh, you know, hygienically cleaning down the ring and, and things like that. They're really, really aware of, you know, not having a second wave, obviously, or getting shut down again. They want to be back for good. And I think it's in a month's time, they're going to have some fans at their shows. And so, yeah, their first night was just, yeah, really just a fun night of wrestling. Um, then you had Tuesday night, which was the... You know, the start of the round one of the elimination tournament. So, some really good matches in there. If you haven't gone and watched it. Yep. Was um, the wrestling more interesting than your review of the wrestling? Because I'm falling asleep. Are you falling asleep? Well, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm actually, while we're recording this, another New Japan show is about to start. So, I'm uh, pretty excited to get into it. Um, normally, the G1 yeah, you can sound, be the marathon. You sound excited, doesn't he, Tony? <laughs> oh, gee, we're over the moon. <laughs> No, it's just good uh, to have those you, guys back. Who do you have winged, uh, Lyle? Uh, the easy answer is Sonata. Um, so that's what I'm going to go with. That'll uh, get some heat. Yeah. 
it's uh, yeah. What, what about yourself? So, so, not, so not only are you boring, not only is your review boring, but you can't actually go for someone outside I'm the favourite. Oh, He's chosen no. the most boring winner, yeah. I <laughs> no, I like Sonata. It's not going like, to happen. It's no. not going to happen, but I want Hiromi <laughs> to win. I want a, I want a junior to win. Uh, because what's the point of having him in if one doesn't win? Yeah, I, I, I like your thinking. Um, Hiromu did have an amazing match with uh, Honma, which uh, Honma hasn't had in a match like that in years. So, yeah, they definitely blew the ring rust off on their second night in. Um and I know, Tony, you're, you're thinking just Zack Sabre Jr., weren't you? Yes, exactly. That's why I went for his music. Yeah, big high flyer, Tony. You look like him. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love his uh, 450s and, and stuff like that. Don't be a jerk, Lyle. <laughs> Don't be a jerk. <laughs> no, but um, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward Zach to Zach Sabre Jr., I think, is going to have a really good run in the tournament. Um, I yep. feel with the lack of guys in. Uh, in the tournament, they're going to want to to keep his run going for a while. That's my opinion, anyway. Well, he's got to beat Kota Ibushi uh, next Monday night. Um, I can, I can beat Kota. I can beat Kota Ibushi if someone writes it. That's the result. Oh, okay, okay. Depends on the booker. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We speak to Jay Don Gato about that. You, you don't actually think I know who Zach Sabre Junior is, do you? Well, I know you. Are you been? Yeah, we, we've been watching you Google it, Tony. <laughs> you're, still sharing this, you're still sharing your screen with us from earlier. Oh, am I? You took a while to reply to that, Tony. <laughs> uh, you're probably thinking, now, did they say Zach or did they say Jack? Uh, 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 <laughs> Uh, uh, WWE COVID-19 case. One of their development talent has uh, stopped production of their Tuesday night show. Also, I want to take, get your thought on uh, what you thought of the family and friends that were allowed in the crowd uh, at Raw and uh, not well, asks. We all know why the family and friends were allowed in the crowd because the talent had COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's, yeah, big... I think my main concern coming out of it was that um, being told if you want to wear a mask, don't come, basically. is yeah. uh, My uh, main concern is the, the workers finding out that someone got COVID-19 at the same time that I found out did. that one of their workers got COVID-19. Um, that's, that's a concern, but um, obviously they've, they've cancelled their tapings. Uh, they're testing everyone, and they'll get back to work tomorrow, probably. But um, oh, not probably. They will. They cancelled. They suspended for one day. Well, yeah. that's provided nineteen people don't come back with COVID tomorrow. Well, oh, well, they're not going to come back in one day. The tests, yeah, they'll test. They'll, they'll test back pretty quickly. Yeah. They'll have a lab. Yeah, they'll have a lab on site that does that. Um, yeah. I think. Is there a chance that some of the wrestlers won't want to get tested in case they get found for something else? Well, no. Uh, no, they already test, Tony. And, um, yeah. There's not much you can find when you stick a cotton bud up the nostril. Uh, <laughs> I think. And you, you'll only find what you test for. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, 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 yeah. What do you think of Backlash? And the greatest ever match? 
well, by by name, it was the greatest match ever. Was it in the top ten greatest matches ever? Well, that's subjective, Tony. Not for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm asking you guys. It was it or wasn't it? Uh, but for me, no. Would it be in the top match of Randy Orton's career for myself personally? It could be. Without no, um, looking into it, Christian. His matches against Christian. Yeah. Um, it was still a, a really good match. It was a really good match. Um, you know, other than unfortunately being tagged with that name, a lot of uh, high expectations and stuff like that. But two guys had fun with it on social media, saying they had the greatest coffee ever. And, um, you know, I thought it was, it was shot well. It was Things a really good match. Things yeah. that really worked was... Uh, I love the Howard Finkel tri- tribute at the start. Yeah, thought that, that was very nice. That's the kind of thing they can do at the moment with the um, pre-taping shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like that it was an old-fashioned match. It sort of built and built and built. Um, yeah. And then at the end, there was lots of finisher kickouts and things like that. So it, the match kind of got more modern as it went on, which, uh, which I enjoyed. You got to see all of Edge's greatest hits, all of his, his big moves got used. Uh, he he went to the well to try and win with Christian's move. Told a real story. I enjoyed the match. It was um, it was yeah, it was long, and I don't often enjoy matches that are that long. But um, it it was the best match on that card, and there were a couple other matches I enjoyed on the card. So it was it was a, a decent show to watch. And unfortunately, yeah. Fred, you got injured. Yeah, uh, Tory yeah. triceps. Uh, apparently that was on a retake, so it wasn't even uh, during the the original taping of the match. Yeah. It was on a retake, going to do another move, and, and maybe wasn't warmed up properly. Or well, he is forty something years old in his third match after nine years. Um, so but it yeah, like another another edge surprise at the Royal Rumble next year. Yeah, well that'll be good. <laughs> yeah, because you hear hear his music. I know you you put it on social media, but you hear his music is still. Still gets goosebumps. Um, it's still a little bit nuts that he's back in a ring. It still almost doesn't seem real. And you know, um, but then telling the story within the match. Um, I know you said you don't like long matches, probably because long matches just do moves for the sake of moves sometimes, where everything actually meant something. Yes, and they point. sold there everything. A lot of callbacks. A lot of callbacks. Yeah, and. You know, and then while they're selling, and those two guys are masters at using their facials uh, to tell the story as well when the, no action is is happening. So you can you can buy into the, the match a little bit more. So it, did, it well, didn't was, feel long for me. I was always a big fan of Edge's podcast because when he broke down a wrestling match, he often spoke about making sure that all of your movements are you trying to win the match yeah. and making everything count? And I felt like both of those guys really did that. Yeah. Hmm. Did you know what, that Zack Sabre Jr. Is... Oh, sorry. Oh, you another... Go, go with you. Did you know that he was no, a vegan? Who? Uh, yes. Zack Sabre Jr. Yes. Okay. Well-known yeah. fact. That's hmm. another fact. What, what did you think of the Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders? Spectacle. I um, thought it was stupid. What did you really think? I liked it. I, I, I liked it. 
I liked it. It was a bit racist as well, I thought. Uh, well, yeah, there's overtones in some stuff that WWE... The, the, the ninjas I didn't enjoy at all. Um, I took it for what it was as like a, a DDT-style match on a WWE program. And I didn't watch the pay-per-view live, so it wasn't like messing with my enjoyment of going in and out. I just watched the matches that I wanted to watch. Um, it was halfway through the match before I realised what they were doing as well. I was sitting yeah, there, I mate, mate. It was the pre-match, and then I'm yeah. like, this is going on a bit. Yeah. What the fuck <laughs> am I watching? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... Obviously, I don't want to see that on WWE all the time, but a little bit of stupid entertainment. Yeah. It, yeah, it, that, it worked well, for me. I've liked a lot of the cinematic stuff. This one was not for me. Fair enough. Uh, WWE, they tell me, has had a bit of a change in its creative talents. <laughs> yeah. So, Heyman, Heyman's been given the lemonade and stars. And uh, Bruce, Bruce Pritchard is now running both shows. Wow. And um, I know that he's persona non gratis, but Jim Cornette made a good point that Bruce Pritchard is not that he, he's good creatively. It's just that he knows what Vince likes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's why Vince just keeps him around. Yeah. But, and what's um, his, his, you know, he's on his third or fourth run with the company. Um, and yeah, already, you're right. He was already working 24 hours a day. I don't know where he's going to find the time or on the second show. Yeah, well, he's about yeah, maybe. sixty, isn't he? He's sixty odd, yeah. Oh yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be up there. And um, but, former guest of the podcast. Yeah, former. Yeah, he's been on, been on the podcast. And yeah. hey, he went back to WWE after he got on this podcast, Tony. So what does that say? Yeah. So did Bischoff, but that was less yeah. successful. Yeah, correct. He he did well in catering. I'm told. <laughs> so, well, but, uh, but what, even even watching Raw this week. Um, Seemed a bit more of a, the storylines being uh, told throughout the show a little bit more. Oh, I enjoyed that aspect. I enjoyed that aspect. So, um, for me, WWE for far too long has been promo at the start. They say what the main event's going to be. There's some throwaway matches and segments. The main event happens. The end. Whereas I thought there were three or four storylines building throughout the night. They swerved us on Christian, which we should, we should know better. We yeah. <laughs> really should know better. Um, but we don't because we're idiots. Uh, yeah. But I thought it was written with a story arc designed to keep you hooked. And it was their highest rated show for a long time. And I feel yeah. like that's the case of people were actually messaging and tweeting about it, encouraging their friends to start watching. So um, it'll be interesting to see what their final hour ratings were because I didn't look. But... Um, yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. The issue is, do they keep doing that? Who knows? Because usually you have a hard reset, new creative team. They do something different for three weeks and they start phoning it in again. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. No. Time will tell. All right, boys, that's it. Big show. Thank you so much for joining us. We can announce a guest for next week, we believe. Well, Lyle's booked the guest, so we hope we can that it's going to be a guest for next week. We've, the guest is... We know his track record. I do. Guy, oh, my, my track... Yeah. The author of Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's 
WCW will be joining us, Lyle. So uh, let's hope you've got that right. Uh, yes, yes, that is the correct uh, author's name of that said book. That's an amazing how did, book. Uh, how did your time conversions go? My time like, conversions? Um, as yeah. it, was very, it was very simple. The fact that it was, um, he'll be in the morning, we'll be at night. It's the same date. It all works out nicely. So the, the, the times, the times. Yeah, Have you been double-checking the times? I double-checked it. I Googled it three times just to make sure. Even made sure that it was right with him as well. So we... Uh, I, don't think you appreciate, I don't think you appreciate the fact that initially he was going to be with us at 2 o'clock in the morning his time. Oh, well, that, that I'm glad you worked that out. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously, yeah, that's why I went back three or four times double-checking myself. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, in all fairness, though, Tony, that's because when Lyle said what time uh, he's going to be in the United States and you said you gave like one hour window and that's the only time you were free. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, come on, Tony, before we go, mate, give us one more uh, Zack Sabre stat. What do you got there? Oh, got a fact uh, for us? The fact that he uh, defeated Adam Cole and the Young Bucks in Pro Wrestling Gorilla. He was involved in, uh, in a match there. In the Battle of Los Angeles back in 2014. Oh, you've gone way back into his catalogue. I like that time. Yeah. I, I, thought, I really thought you'd go straight to the Cruiserweight Classic, but that's all right. That's and he's got to be, he's got to be good. He's got to be good mates with Will Ospreay, doesn't he? They're both Poms. Well, um, <laughs> so, are you friends with every Australian? I think so. They're, they're not friends with you, though, Tony. <laughs> all right catch you next week see you jerks thanks for joining us folks we'll catch you next week right here on the turnbuckle on mypodcasthouse.com